Welcome back to another episode here on the Dunkin' with Dom podcast. Matthew, our heat extraordinaire, it's good to have you back on. Glad to be back, talking about my favorite subject in all sports, as usual. Well, it is good to have you on for another episode. The last time we did a one-on-one bit with all things Miami was all the way back in the summer, uh, before the regular season started and before everything kind of got underway with this 2021-2022 season. We'll dive right into it. We had a lot to talk about with this team, especially with how the season has gone, things that we can look forward to. And then, of course, the broader thing of how we think this team will do come playoff and uh, postseason time. My first question to you, though, is what do you think of this team so far? They're 19 and 13, smack in the middle is the fifth seed right now in a pretty uh, compact Eastern Conference. What do you think of this team overall to start the year as we're about a third of the way through the season? I mean, I think they're good enough to win a championship if they can stay on the floor. Unfortunately, they cannot seem to do that. So right now we're in the middle of a long streak where Bam Adebayo and even Jimmy Butler are missing a ton of games. And recently Tyler Heroes missed a few, but he's coming back as well. So the Heat have looked just about as good as any team in the league when everyone's healthy. So they started the season coming off real hot with one of the best records in the league. And then slowly they've tapered off, especially as we're, Recently had the news that Bam's going to be out for four to six weeks or so. And then Jimmy's out for reasons I can't even explain. I feel like Jimmy's out all the time these days. So really, if the Heat can just get their health together, they can be a standout team in the league. I'm just kind of worried about it because we saw the same story last year, but not with injuries, more so with COVID. So we really don't want the same thing to happen again, where they're sort of limping their way to the playoffs and then end up with like a six seed or something. Because at that point, you'll be playing one of the better teams in the East and you're kind of risking getting knocked out early. So I just think if the Heat can stay healthy, they will have a shot at the Eastern Conference and maybe even the finals. Yeah, you said it best. Injuries and absences have plagued this year so far. Bam has that hand injury. I think it was a thumb injury more specifically. And he was out four to six weeks. I think the injury happened, what, close to a month ago? So I think by... Yeah, I think the news broke like two weeks ago, and now he's in a four- to six-week stretch, but you never really know with that type of thing. Yeah. the the And, of course, it's a shooting hand, too, and it's, a, it's more dominant, like, ball-handling, like, hands. So that'll be fun. So we'll probably expect him back mid-January. Uh, Butler, we have no clue when he's coming back. He's had that tailbone injury for what seems like a month. But the crazy thing is that... Miami's still somehow 19 and 13 despite all these injuries. Like they've been above 500 and consistent in this Eastern Conference despite all the absences. I mean, yeah, and a lot of that is attributable to Kyle Lowry. So right now we're about, I would say, nine games deep, I think, in the Bams injury. And in many of those games, Jimmy has also been out. So right now you're just dealing with a team that is predominantly led by Kyle Lowry, our recent addition from the offseason. And I think he's doing just fine. I mean, he's we're better than 500 in the stretch without Jimmy and Bam. And we're even missing a few key guys like Tyler during that stretch. Um, maybe that's also attributable to the fact that a lot of other teams are having their own problems, especially with COVID. I feel like the Heat haven't been particularly affected yet with COVID specifically this season. We've more so been dealing with injuries. But right now, they're managing to stay afloat. A lot is due to the leadership of Kyle, which we're very excited for this season. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. What's funny as hell is that Miami has a ton of absences, but only one of them, and it's Caleb Martin, is COVID. Like, all the others were injuries or illnesses from, like, booster shots. I've noticed with the NBA, there's all these, like, non-COVID illnesses. That's just code word for they got a booster shot and they're out for, like, two days. That's literally all that means. Because if I'm looking at it, 
Nets and Bulls at the top of the conference, all with COVID absences. Milwaukee's missing Giannis and a couple players with COVID. Uh, the Cavs have a huge outbreak right now. They, I think one of their games just got canceled, and they played the Celtics the other night with, like, seven dudes. And then there's us. So the top of the conference is more plagued than we are, and we're still kind of right in that mix. And the other thing you said, Kyle Lowry's impact – we were both not huge fans of the contract. We both were like, I do not want to pay a 37-year-old point guard. What I think, what would it be, like $30 million? It's almost $30 million. But he's definitely kept us afloat in this little time of span where we've not had Jimmy or Bam on the floor. Yeah, and the huge irony is, is that the criticism against Kyle is that he was super old, which is true. <laughs> Sorry, but whatever. <laughs> but he's played – like 95% of the games and you look at the roster, which is full of a lot younger people and they are not playing as much time as him. So he has been extremely durable this season, despite his age. And really that's all you can ask for. I mean, the best available, what is it? The best ability is availability. So I guess Kyle Lowry is certainly pulling his weight on this team. And also, even though he is like down in career averages this year, like he's not playing the same he has previous season. He's upped his averages during this stretch where Jimmy and Bam are absent, which goes to show that he is um, sort of carrying this team, especially when they need him most. Well, and this is one of those things you hate when I say this phrase, but this is where kind of stats don't tell the whole story. Because on paper, Lowry looks horrible. He's shooting under 30 three percent from three under 42 percent from the field but he's still averaging a 14 five and eight and you said it he you know what i've noticed is that during heat games he pushes the tempo so much on fast breaks like anytime he gets the ball in transition it's like go 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 uh this team has been so reliant on small ball where like outside of Dwayne deadman it's like very five out offense three-point shooting duncan we'll talk about him in a minute he's been on fire that philosophy has kind of also kept miami in pretty decent position here heading into the middle of the season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Kyle's always looking for the guy. He's looking for the right things to do on the floor. I mean, that's just what he is as a basketball player. He's the floor general, prototypical point guard. So that's just what we needed. We needed a, a guy who'd be more of a leader on the team. I think we got it in Kyle Lowry this year. Well, and the other thing too, before we move on to some other topics with Miami, this is probably a team more geared toward the playoffs, but without a doubt, I would want Kyle Lowry if Jam, uh, Jimmy and Bam are healthy to be the third option. Like if Kyle Lowry is your third option on a team, you are so set because we saw this with the Raptors where he was the second option and he was so damn good when Kawhi was there and having him as like your third guy, especially off the bench where like you can sub him out early and then sub him in later, which Miami's done a ton. I think that'll be so crucial. The other thing too, you can elaborate on this because I just said it a little bit. But Miami, I think we agree, is more geared toward the playoffs. Like, we know what this team is. Their goal is to have a solid nine-man rotation, beat the Nets or Bucks when that matchup comes, beat the rest of these teams that are probably in the subcategory of contender. And what I've noticed is that um, Miami, despite being more geared to the playoffs, their goal probably, though, is do not play in the playing game. Absolutely. That, that is an absolute nightmare and a huge bust if they end up in a playing game especially because you will in all likelihood be playing either the Nets or the Bucks in the, in the first round if you get out of the play-in series. Um, it's possible you play the Bulls. I'm not really high on them. I think it's they're a nice story for the season, but I think you need this sort of MVP caliber player to make it deep in the playoffs. And you might be saying, oh, the Heat don't have one. And I'll say, well, guess what? Jimmy Butler can be an MVP. <laughs> and I don't see anyone on the Bulls who can do that for them. So well, definitely just – 
no, no yeah, I guess definitely ahead. just avoiding avoiding the play in. I think even avoiding the six seed, that's also a nightmare. Anything five or better, you could make it by. I think the dream scenario for the Heat is ending up, I think, let's see, if they ended up as like the third seed and then the Bulls were the second seed and the Bucks were the fourth and the Nets were the first. I'm just dreaming right now. But <laughs> somehow avoiding the Nets and the Bucks in the first two rounds would be very good for the Heat. Well, I think the ideal goal would be three, right? Because then is it three? Because well, no, because then if you're if you're four, you have to face probably Brooklyn on the road. That would suck. But if you're three, I think you want to face Milwaukee first, and then you hope Brooklyn gets upset by like a worse team. That's kind of like the dream scenario, right? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, at the same time, every as time goes by, it becomes more and more likely that Kyrie Irving might be allowed to play home games again. So, <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Well, well that's a fascinating thing there. The one thing I've noticed though, that Miami's gotten super lucky with the Eastern Conference, there was all this hype about this like middle tier of like the Hawks, the Celtics, uh, the Knicks, especially. Everyone was high on the Knicks, and all these teams have just cratered. Even Philadelphia, like, I we've been high, like, semi high on Philly as like just a competent top four seed, and they've been horrible this year because they don't have Simmons and they need to trade him or at least have him on the floor, whatever. And these other teams just haven't been that good. The only team I think that's outlasted expectations is Cleveland. Cleveland's just a huge outlier right now in the standings, but everyone else is what, either. What, what expectations? Yeah, <laughs> didn't and, have any expectations. Yeah, we didn't have an expectation. Now they're this good. <laughs> you, you mentioned, let's get into some of the players for this team. You started off with Jimmy Butler. When me and this uh, and another guest did a pod, it hasn't come out yet, but we did an awards pod for the quarter mark of the year. I had Jimmy as my fifth place guy on my MVP ballot, and this other guest had him like six or seven. When he's played, because he's, he's missed 12 games, he's only played 18 to start this year, but when he's played, how has he looked relative to other years in the Miami Heat uniform? I mean, he's looked like an MVP, which is why I think he can carry it over in the playoffs. I think – he is playing one of his best seasons in a Heat uniform. It's just he can't stay on the floor. And I feel like this has been a problem throughout his time with the Heat. Like, you can't be an MVP if you've played 60% of the games. You need to play like 90, 90% upwards. But when Jimmy's on the floor, he's the main guy I trust on this team. And he'll always be that way through the playoffs and hopefully through a championship. So I just think that Jimmy – if he does what he does in the regular season, we're probably good enough to uh, make it deep in the playoffs, but he's really got to elevate his game to bubble levels in order for this team to make it to the finals. But we're in a good spot with him right now. I just think he needs to get on the floor. Uh, it's sort of things that are out of your control. You know, it's injuries and stuff. Um, I just think that once he's on the floor, the Heat should make significant improvements. I will say there's a couple points you brought up that are super crucial. Number one, it's the dreaded B word and it's the bubble because – I feel like we keep saying like, oh, this guy like needs to perform like he did in the bubble. Anthony Davis, we've seen how he's been anything but that ever since the bubble ended. Um, TJ Warren, where it's like, hey, this guy's going to be a bubble hero, and he has not even played a basketball game since that. Tyler Hero, ironically, was one of those guys where it's like, oh, Tyler Hero, if he's the bubble boy again. And he's finally, I think, come back to that form, but it took a while. The bottom line is that Jimmy, I think the only way for Miami to realistically be even in the finals is that Butler needs to play like a top five player. And the good news for Miami is that it's early in the season. So if any injury was going to happen, have it happen now, especially with their top guys. Like I'm, I'm glad that knock on wood, Lowry has not been injured or had any major injury. He's played 30 of 32 games. 
Bam, it's only a hand thing. He didn't, he didn't like blow out his knee and losing athleticism. Jimmy, he always has this injury like once a year and then he gets over it. So that's the good news. My question to you, though, is that we've seen this happen last year, though, with Jimmy, where we thought he would play well. He played pretty decently last season. I think made an all-NBA team. He was at least in contention. And then the Bucks happened and he couldn't score. And he was like always being double teamed, never made the right pass wildly inefficient do you think that changes come playoff time with jimmy you know i just think that the supporting cast around him is better so that even if the bucks tried to shut him down and were a little bit successful at it he would have a few other guys to bail him out with the addition of kyle and just the improvement of tyler hero so i'm not as concerned as i was last year because i think we were asking him to carry a lot more weight last year than we are this year just because we have a lot better playmaking guys this time around so I'm not as concerned about it. The main thing I'm concerned about is that we have, you're right, we have seen this story before where he misses a lot of time and, you know, the Heat got to get back into a groove with their main guy in front. But as long as he gets back sooner rather than later, I think the Heat will be just okay for playoff time as long as we don't face the Bucks or the Nets in the first round, as I've already expressed my fear for. So I just hope that they're good enough to, like, tread water while he's out and possibly get a four or five seed by the time the playoff rolls around. The other main guy in this equation is, of course, Bam Adebayo. Now, before the injury, Quietly was averaging a 19 and 10, and he actually was, like, doing better. Did you notice any improvements from Bam compared to last season? Because, of course, you said that heading into our last pod where you wanted to see him take more mid-rangers, be less uh, fearful on offense when he has the ball in his hand. Because we saw it the last postseason where he would get the ball and, like, have deer in the headlights looks where he would try to drive inside wouldn't work he would pass back out he wasn't ag- aggressive ha- has there been a change so far to start this year when you've watched bam i know it's been a minute because he hasn't played but in the games he's played though what have you seen from him yeah i mean it's definitely felt like a minute he's definitely improving just taking that step up with each year um definitely not major jumps with bam um i know the heat instagram and just the heat nation in general love to post whenever he takes a jump shot and they're like look bam, took a jump shot. Everyone pay attention to this. He made it. He's now a, he's a jump shooter now. I'm like, okay, great. Let's see it in the playoffs. So I guess that's, that's the story with bam. Let's see it in the playoffs. Let's see what you can do. Let's see your, your skill set. Let's see your jump shooting ability and let's see your confidence expressed when it matters most. I'm not saying like he's a choker or anything like that. I'm definitely not saying that because he's put up some major performances for us, but we're definitely going to need to see him play a lot better than he did last year when he played against the Bucks. Well, and the thing with Bam is that when Jimmy already can't shoot threes and then you're already starting P.J. Tucker, who actually is shooting like well from three, but we know on limited volume, he's not an offensive guy. It's hard to play an NBA game when you have three non-shooters is what it basically is because Jimmy can hit like the long twos. Tucker will get the offensive rebound putbacks. Bam is good on the interior, but in terms of long range shooting, pretty lacking. Is the BAM mid-ranger kind of the make or break for this Miami team where if it's like, hey, as long as he does not develop this, we won't win the title? You know, it's possible. Just because, like, if he develops mid-range, then he becomes increasingly deadly. Whereas right now, I'd say he's about a four-star player. But if you really wanted to elevate his game, he would need to develop that mid-ranger. I just think that right now, if you look at our – Closing and starting five. You're right. We don't really have a lot of shooting ability in there. And I don't know, because we'll have, you're right. Jimmy won't shoot threes. 
Um, PJ Tucker, like sort of a mild three point shooter. He's not someone who scares you. Um, Bam won't shoot. Kyle sort of, he's, he's good enough. And Duncan, who's supposed to be lights out, but early in the season wasn't really, but he's becoming a little better now. So you're, you might be right. I think that's, that's a good take that Bam might need to develop a mid range in order for the heat to win a championship. So hopefully we could see it later in the season. Yeah, the other thing, too, and this is kind of the next transition, the supporting cast this year, I will say, give credit to Miami supporting cast who have stepped up in the absences of Jimmy and Bam because you look at it, my favorite win from this season isn't even that Bucks win. It's honestly the Sixers win from the other night without Jimmy or Bam where this proves like, hey, we can be a competent regular season team without these guys and just kind of survive. And then once the actual guys come back, we can make a run. This supporting cast has been pretty good. It starts with Tyler Hero. Everyone last season kind of wrote him off. Oh, bubble fraud. What happened in 2020 was never going to happen again. He's looked so damn good to start this year, and I think he might be the X factor for this year if it isn't Bam. Yeah, I mean, I think that Tyler especially has been one of the most improved players in the NBA this season. Just his his swagger is just back. He's, he's back to being bubble boy, except now he's doing it in, like, home arenas, home games, even – away games at times. I do think that Tyler Hero can be in the closing five. So that this is a take that I had at the end of the season that I thought our closing five would be Kyle, Jimmy, Bam, PJ Tucker, and Duncan Robinson. At this point, I think I want to move out Duncan and put in Tyler into that closing lineup. That's a take. Holy crap. I, I definitely think they should. I mean, Tyler has shown that he could be sort of super clutch late in the game. The classic Tyler shot the best one of all time was him against the Sixers and that home game back in 2020 when I think the heat were down, were they on two? When he we took we were down, ball? we were down, I think two, they double teamed and beat at like the, the left top of the key. Jimmy stole the ball, like popped it out and then hero dribbled it and was going to go for a layup. And he just stopped and like faded and shot it right into the basket. We won that game. I think by one point in the end. Yeah, that's great. He, he was, that was like basically a fast break and he just stopped mid break. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to jack this up. We're going to take it, take the win. And then it went to overtime, which was just ridiculous. But I think that shot was clutch anyway. So I just think that Tyler is a little bit more clutch than Duncan. I guess you could say Duncan can sort of make the offense a little more dynamic. You might say Tyler's a bit redundant because just because you could have Jimmy and Kyle and Kyle orchestrating the offense. So why would you need Tyler there? Well, I would say, what's wrong with another shot maker? You know, Duncan, pretty much all he can do is stay out in the perimeter and sort of bait guys and sometimes take threes. But this season, I think Tyler has proven himself to be a more worthy addition to the closing five than Duncan. I think for now, you could leave Duncan in the starting lineup just because you you do want the offense to be a little bit more dynamic. And he introduced a lot of three-point shooting ability. But his ability has dipped a little bit. It's beginning to come back in recent days. But I think Tyler can be a pretty good three-point shooter as well. Um, and he introduces a lot more skills into the equation than Duncan can. So Tyler can shoot the threes and he can do a lot of other stuff, whereas Duncan can pretty much only shoot threes. On paper, Tyler definitely is better. So last season, only plays in 54 games out of the 72. He averages 15 points, but the efficiency was horrible, especially it was exactly league average from three, 44% shooting. This season, he's at 39% from three on an extra two attempts. He's up to seven attempts from three per game, and he's up to 45% shooting, which is nice. 
the key number, 21 points if you round up per game is absolutely incredible. And you said it best. The one thing that I like about Miami is that let's say hypothetically we put Lowry, Butler, Bam, and Tucker in our starting or closing five, right? That's already four above average to very, very awesome defenders. You can have one weak link, but if you have both Hero and Duncan out there, that makes things more complicated because you could just switch the the Hero offensive player and the Duncan offensive player and just like that, you're screwed. What would your closing five ultimately be? Do you think – do you just not like Duncan because he's only like kind of a shoot-first guy and he can only kind of take threes and that's it? Because Duncan's value offensively is pretty important. Like it's kind of like the Curry effect where him just standing there and moving around just scares teammates and – pardon me, scares opponents and helps his teammates out. So what what's – would P.J. Tucker also be the missing link? Would you take him out to maybe have both Duncan and Hero out there or would you rather prioritize Hero and the shot creation? I would prioritize Hero on the shot creation. I definitely, like you said, wouldn't insert Duncan and Tyler at the same time, just because that is, that's just not good defense. And the Heat have shown this season to be an excellent defensive team. I think they're like third in points per game allowed. And when uh, you yeah, have- real quick, they're in terms of their, um, in terms of their defensive rating, they're third, third best in the league. And in terms of the uh, offensive, they are seventeenth. Uh, so they have been a top three defense so far in this league when it comes to opposing points allowed. Yeah, so I think in clutch time, if you put Duncan and Tyler on the floor, then you're sort of straying away from your defensive identity. And that could be a problem for the Heat. I just They definitely cannot be in closing lineups at the same time. But I do think Tyler has shown that he's excellent at making shots in moments that matter most. And I definitely trust him with the ball. I know you said you trust Bam with the ball more so than Tyler in the final moments, but I honestly, I would give the ball to Tyler before Bam just because Bam hasn't really shown in the playoffs that he's super clutch. But I would say that Jimmy first, then maybe Kyle. I'd like to see it a little bit more when he enters the playoff rounds. And then I'd put Tyler there before Bam in, in clutch time. Uh, the other thing too, so let's get into the supporting cast outside of Tyler Hero. A lot of guys are kind of new to the franchise. Like Gabe Vincent is playing big minutes. I didn't think he would be playing big minutes, but here he is. Max Strukes is taking a leap as like a kind of a three and D wing for this team. We have Omer Yurtsevin, you know, Goat Yurt, kind of playing some spot match. Dwayne Dedman's been a serviceable big in the absence of Bam. Are there any weaknesses with the supporting cast, or do you kind of like the core we have now with some of those guys off the bench? Honestly, I'm kind of a fan. Last year we had Kelly Olynyk, and I was definitely not as. Much of a fan. <laughs> You've never been a Kelly uh, Olynyk fan. I will say that. <laughs> you you know I just was never much of a Kelly Olynyk guy, <laughs> and this year I'm actually pretty satisfied with it, especially because I had low expectations. Miami's depth was a complaint at the beginning of the season, and I think that a lot of the guys who are getting a lot of experience now, just because we've had a lot of injuries, are proving themselves to be really good ball players. Especially Struess, I want to shout him out right now. In the, in the most recent games, it's December 23rd right now, he has had 32, 24, and 18 points in the last three games. Those are really good numbers, and I'm just really proud of him. Great job, Max Drews. I remember at the, the last time we talked, you said, do I have any Max Drews takes? And I go, I absolutely do not. I have not watched enough of that guy to give you any valuable information regarding his performance. Ma- but I will now, say, Matthew lives up to his promises when he makes them. So there you go, Max Drews. He, <laughs> he is an excellent supporting cast member. Thank you, Max Drews, for performing in everyone else's absence. And he's already in his playing time when everyone comes back. So, yeah, I definitely think that 
a lot of our guys are getting valuable minutes right now. And our supporting cast is a lot better than we expected at the beginning of the season. Yeah, the one thing I'm having trouble, honestly, is that we keep finding these random guys. Like, my favorite was that Bucks game. I don't know if you caught it on ESPN the other night where Caleb Martin scores 30 points and got the game-winning steal and swam, like, over a couple. I think it was over Giannis or Drew Holiday. It was one of those guys. So, they've been – I think our only weak link might be Casey Akpala. I've never been, I've never had much stock in Casey Akpala, and I feel like he's always a dud there. But this team's been pretty good, and we haven't heard from Markeith Morris. So, you know, we're, we're missing a <laughs> – Ever since Jokic took him out, he's kind of been gone since like that October stretch. So we'll have to see on that. So we've gotten into the roster. My question to you now is what's the thing, what's our biggest weakness? And do you think there's an avenue to improve that? Because I would argue our biggest weakness is scoring, finding another guy who can generate offense. that's not Jimmy, Bam, or Lowry, especially kind of like another hero type who – I don't know, a little bit more creativity, a little less reliance on, like, contested jumpers, especially in a postseason. We've seen with the Bucks series, especially where not having offense just kills you because at some point you just got to score. It doesn't matter how good of a defense you are. What is our biggest weakness to you, and is there any mode, whether it's a, tr- a trade or a buyout down the road in which we can get a guy who can fix that problem or the other problems you might mention? I mean, yeah, I'd have to agree. It's scoring. I mean, you mentioned earlier – that we're third in defense, but we are 17th in offense. So, you know, defense wins championships is something like the old heads like to say, but can only take you so far. Um, we might be trying to compensate a little too hard with just our defensive ability during the playoff. But I think that actually Jimmy might pick it up um, come the most important times in April and May. I definitely think that early in the season, we haven't really seen enough to maybe make a judgment on what our biggest weakness is just because Bam and Jimmy have missed so much time. So I do think that right now I will stick with your take and say that, yeah, we need more scoring, but there's definitely a lot of time to see just our general improvement and just general trends in the right direction. I think that we should be fine for playoff time. We just haven't really had our guys there yet. Our main scorers to sort of compensate. I will say a couple other weaknesses that I've noticed. Number one, we're very top heavy. So thank God Kyle Lowry has been playing 35 minutes a night. Cause if we didn't have Lowry, we'd be losing a lot. That's number one. And what I've seen from this roster overall is that if we lose like two guys, we're kind of like playing only like seven people in a typical game, which is putting a lot of miles on our guys. So with Jimmy and Bam out, for instance, who have we played? It's been like Lowry hero, Duncan, uh, PJ before the injury, Strews Vincent, that's like six guys right there. And then it's been like Deadman sometimes, Martin sometimes. Uh, they've had to put in like Yurt sometimes to play some spot minutes. Uh, Paul has been in there. So the bench definitely thins out after a little bit. Now they're going to get some guys back. We don't know what Old Depot's status is. Uh, I feel like we had this conversation before of like Old Depot will hopefully return, but we really don't know his status. I mean, do you think Old Depot can give us anything if he even comes back? I have no idea, and I don't think anyone really does. <laughs> have, you, have, you no, have you noticed real quick that, like, we have not heard anything on his, like, return status ever since the start of the year? Yeah, and did they say that he was going to come back in November, or am I just crazy? Like, when did they say he was going to come back? I have no clue. I, honestly, if you want to talk about it for a bit, like, Google it up, because I have – I feel like there was, like, he would return at some point, and then we just have not ever heard what the deal was with that right quad. It's kind of just been MIA. I mean – He's been one of those guys for the past two or three years where he's an if, if he's healthy guy. 
there's always those those guys that have those those few words in front of their names but I did like the signing at the time I thought it was very low risk high reward we only signed him for like two million dollars or something and I think he can be a worth a lot more than that later in the season um I'm not sure what his status is apparently you aren't and apparently no one is so uh, according to this article from May this is ages ago. He said he would be ready for full contact basketball by November. It is almost January. <laughs> you know what? He'll, he'll come back with a vengeance. <laughs> uh, I actually think we could use him because I feel like outside of Lowry, our guard depth is pretty shit. Because like Gabe Vincent's like, so my other thing I think I noticed is that too many young guys to rely on in the playoffs. We've seen this time and time again where you cannot rely on 25 and unders to be good in the playoffs at certain times. Like Gabe Vincent, as much as I love the guy, he's vulnerable in the playoffs. Max Strukes, he will be vulnerable in the playoffs. Yurtsevin is a, and Kazak Paul, you cannot play a minute in the playoffs. So Oladipo, if he comes back, would be a veteran who could play 20 minutes max and just be a guy. Is there any big name player we can get that you think, or is this more of like a, this team will stay pat and we'll kind of like, go out and we'll just make it to the playoffs, honestly. You know what? The Heat should make a pursuit for Sion Williams. <laughs> well, now, I think now they'll be able to since he he'll, he'll, he might get in shape if he comes to a big city like Miami, right? <laughs> yeah, for real. No, nah, that was kind of a joke. He, he, won't, he won't get in shape until he goes to play for the Knicks one day. He just <laughs> needs to get out of New Orleans. But honestly, I'm a little, I think I'm actually a little more optimistic than you on this one, which is surprising because generally it's the other way around. But I do think the Heat have enough just because in the we got to the finals with Jimmy and Bam as the core in the bubble year you know we had Jay Crowder who was definitely very valuable and we realized that last year but honestly who would you rather have Jay Crowder or Kyle Lowry that's true you know? well I will say I'll Phoenix also realized how valuable Jay Crowder is when they made the finals with him so <laughs> that's true <laughs> I, I do feel like the east it's easier to get out of the east than it is the West this year, just because the Suns and the Warriors are standing in the West right now. Yeah. And I they, they might be the two best teams in the league. So I actually think we have enough to make out of the East. We might get absolutely toasted in the finals. Alternatively, we might get absolutely toasted in the Eastern Conference finals or the round before that. But you know what? I do think we have enough to get out of there just because, like, the, the Nets are kind of a mess. Like, I get there first in the East, but somehow everyone still interprets them as a bit of a mess. And the Bucks, you know what? I do think we improved a lot this year just because Tyler's a lot better and, and Kyle's the floor general we needed. So I, I think we have enough to get out of the East this year, and we might not need a big-name signing to get it done. Well, let's transition with the last, like, 15 or so minutes of this pod to playoff outlook. So I think the next time we might do one of these is maybe, like, a preview pod of the playoffs because – this team is probably going to stay intact. We know what the, the hierarchy is. We know, unless like there's a major thing, whether it's an addition or a subtraction, this Miami team is going to be probably this team, a four or five seed. They're going to have home court probably for the first round. And after that, anything goes, we could start with the top. We both agree that Brooklyn and Milwaukee are the two top teams in the Eastern conference, at least that we would probably have to face. I think we're gonna to have to face at least one of them, if not both. Let's start with Brooklyn, though. So Brooklyn has a lot because of the whole Kyrie thing. Harden hasn't looked kind of himself. KD's playing a lot of minutes. 
based on a probability percentage of beating, if you had to put a percentage like number to it, what's the likelihood we can beat Brooklyn in a seven game series, whatever round it might be. I might say like 25%. I'm just, I'm just very scared of Kevin Durant. Like no one else really scares me that much, but he's the best player in the world to me. Some people are saying Giannis and everything, but I don't think there's anyone you want to face less than Kevin Durant. If you're an opposing team, um, We've seen the James Harden problems throughout the year. I mean, how, how would you say James Harden's doing recently? Just because, like, there were a lot of memes about him being a little overweight to start the season. But honestly, I'm not sure if he can perform as he has in previous years. Or in previous years. So what would you say about that? I'd argue he's a lot better. He sucked to start the year. But my problem is that he looks totally different than he was a year ago. And Kevin Durant, he's been great. Don't get me wrong, MVP candidate. But outside of Kevin Durant, that team kind of sucks. Like, their supporting cast is horrible. It's a lot of power forwards who really can't play center or small forward, like James Johnson, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin. They're relying a lot on, like, Patty Mills and some hot shooting here or there from some guys. And with James Harden particularly, he just doesn't look the same. I think he's taking a step back. That hamstring injury from last season is really affecting him, where he's taking a lot more, like, long jumpers than he is driving to the rim. So I think that seems weaker. I also don't think it's a coincidence, and you can back me up on this, that they're trying to bring Kyrie back. I don't think it's a PR thing of like, oh, they want him to hopefully be vaccinated down the road. I think they generally need help either to play Kyrie or trade Kyrie because this team kind of is lacking outside of Kevin Durant. What are your thoughts on that, though? Like, are they rushing Kyrie to kind of like stay in contention here and like not burn out Kevin Durant before the playoffs? I mean, yeah, possibly. I just think it's hysterical because – Everyone, they're kind of interpreted as a mess right now, but they're literally the best team in the East. They're the number one seed. So it really goes to show you how far Kevin Durant's carrying this team. Well, and real quick, tied for the third best record in all the league right now with the Jazz. So they've been pretty good. Yeah, and literally don't even have Kyrie Irving, who's their third best player. So honestly, they they probably should make a move to trade Kyrie. I don't, I don't know what's happening with the whole like policy of him not allowed, being allowed to play. Like we don't know when that'll, if that'll change, when it will happen, if he'll ever get vaccinated. We, we really have no idea with any of that stuff. But one thing's for sure is that they need, they they believe they need more. You're you're right. I think they need a little bit more. They might be pushing Kyrie out there so they can get a trade or just so they can have him out there just to play. There's definitely a lot of stuff happening outside the nets, like the Warriors looking like the best team in the league, the Suns looking incredibly good. That's probably signaling that the Nets, like we need to get things done now. Cause right now I don't think what we have might cut it. So you're right. I think that they might be pushing Kyrie out there for those purposes. The other reason that you mentioned, I wanted to touch upon on James Harden. Some people are claiming that the, the way the game is now officiated is driving James Harden to be not as good as he once was because Harden and Trey I, pu- I push back though because they've been Trey Young has been arguably an All NBA first team guy this season. If you like really look at the numbers, and he was on my All NBA first team for guards when I did my ballot. Number two, James Harden actually is attempting around the same level of free throws as he was before in the past couple of games. Because you have to realize NBA superstars figure out the rules. At so, like at some point they know like hey like this is what they're gonna call, this is what they won't call, and they'll adjust their game accordingly. We've seen this with the last 30 years of basketball where as rules change, the players change with it. 
Harden just is older. You have to remember that he's put so many miles on him from those Rockets days where it was always him dribbling the ball, him making the plays. Even when they had Chris Paul, it was always Harden with the ball in his hands until they got Westbrook that last half of the season. So he's he's older. It's the bottom line. Yeah. I do think the Nets – last year the Nets could have won the finals with just James Harden and – and Kevin Durant. I do not think that's the case this year. They need Absolutely all three not. of them to win the finals. Um, that So they just need to figure out the Kyrie situation, whether it's trading him or finally getting to play. Um, they'll need to figure that out. And then at that point, the Nets should be good. They'll be finals contenders. Well, and real quick, I'd argue Milwaukee's honestly been better than Brooklyn this season. Now, you're not as high on Milwaukee as I am. I feel like you've always been, like, a little bit lower on Milwaukee. Not, not by much, but by a little. It, how, how legit is Milwaukee this season to you? Because I think it's pretty impressive they're 20 and 13 when they haven't had Middleton, Giannis, or Drew consistently playing, and they've been relying on a bunch of bench guys that I don't even think I can name half of them. So is Milwaukee the team to beat this year if it's not Brooklyn? And I know, like, the answer is yes, but is Milwaukee being swept on overall in the East? I mean, slept on is strange. I don't, I don't know if I'll say slept on just because – everyone views them as either the first or second best team in the East, which is exactly where they should be because that's what they are. They're the first or second best team. So they might be better than the Nets. I've always been very high on Brooklyn. And as you said, not as high on Milwaukee, just because last year, Kevin Durant took the Bucks seven games almost by himself for half of it. So if you have Kevin Durant and one other guy, that might be enough to beat the Bucs. So I said that the Nets need James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie to win the championship. I don't think they need all three to get out of the East. I think they can just have two and get out. I don't think they'll beat the Warriors or the Suns with just two of them. I think it's possible they can beat the Bucs just because Kevin Durant has shown that he could literally take them seven games over time, inches away, just, just by himself. So the Bucs, we'll see how it goes. I definitely think that Giannis just elevating his game in the finals has made them possibly better than the Nets, but I'll still take the Nets over them at the end of the day. I, I will say to tie this back to Miami, if you're in the semifinals and Brooklyn is, let's say, like who would you rather face if you really had to play them to win a series? Would you rather face Brooklyn or Milwaukee? Because there is two sides to this, because the side of Milwaukee of wanting to play them is that you face them before, you know the personnel, you actually have the guys to guard Giannis and outscore them. The case to play Brooklyn, though, is that, hey, if Kyrie isn't going to be playing at home and James Harden isn't himself and by the end of the season KD will be tired and that roster's a bit thin, it's a case to be made to play Brooklyn. But in your eyes, though, who would you rather face and why? I'd rather play the Bucks because I really want revenge. <laughs> I, need, I need revenge on them for just – absolutely trashing us last year and also i think that the heat might just have a better chance to beat them because i just think kevin durant puts the nets on a on a different level and at that point i feel like the nets will have Kyrie or have something they got for Kyrie that will make them just the best team in the east at that point so i will take the bucks before playing the nets or not the i will you know i will take the bucks before playing the nets <laughs> The, so, With certainty. <laughs> so after that, there's this next group of teams. I think I think we both agree we're better than Philly and Boston, right? Like, is there any case we made for Philly and Boston this year? I mean, maybe with Philly, depending on what happens with Ben Simmons, 
if, if you're about to talk about the Bulls and the Cavs, I mean, this might be a hot take. But I'm really not that scared of them. <laughs> I just think, I, I'm not I'm not either. But make the case why you're not scared of either. I don't think either of them have any players that have proven themselves on any level. Like we've seen, we've seen the story before with some of these players. Like Demar Derozan was never much of a playoff performer. The Raptors didn't make the finals until Kawhi sort of replaced him. And then they have a ton of players like Zach Levine who just never really have played in significant playoff games. Has Zach Levine played in a playoff game? Like, I'm, uh, I'm not sure. He probably has. I want to say no. No, he did not because uh, – no, because he, he was in Chicago when Minnesota traded him to Chicago for Butler, remember? So, I was – because he was drafted by Minnesota. They never made the playoffs. He got traded to Chicago, and they've never made the playoffs as of now. So, no, he's never made the playoffs. Yeah, so they don't have anyone who's really, like, that intimidating. I know they have a lot of championship experience in Alex Russo. He might be able to <laughs> put them over the top, just play like a finals. Well, MVP and former Heat forward Derek Jones Jr. They do have. Oh that. yes, airplane mode is on the Bulls. <laughs> oh, I actually missed that guy though. He was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the Cavs. Yeah, they, Kevin Love played in the LeBron years, but either way, Kevin Love's not really scaring the Heat or many teams in the league and just I don't think that either of them have proven themselves whereas the Heat have like people say oh yeah in the bubble but who who are you going to take out of all the players on the Bulls Cavs and the Heat because I bet you'll take Jimmy first and then Bam will be close by maybe you'll try to like do some things like I'll take Zach Levine or something but either way I think you're taking a lot of Heat players early on if you were to take like a draft of all three of those teams yeah and you said it best if you had to do a draft of like who's most likely to win the championship from the East, you'd take one of Brooklyn or Milwaukee first and second, and then it'd be Miami easily. Cause Philly and Boston aren't it. Atlanta's definitely not it. New York isn't it. Um, Washington's not it. And then when you focus on Chicago and Cleveland, Hey, Chicago's the second seed. Cleveland's the fourth seed. At the same time, everyone's basically saying, okay, this is the regular season. Prove it because we've seen in past these regular season teams that make it and then they suck because they've Shout never been to the, the playoffs. Yes, a.k.a. the Knicks. Shout out the Knicks. <laughs> and with the, with the Cavs, remember, last season they had this below 500 record. They suck all year. They get Mobley, and now they're, like, decent. And Chicago, they've got Levine. They've got DeRozan, yes, but they've also – these guys have never been in clutch playoff games. Like, DeRozan, he was always the, the, the LeBron shadow in Toronto. Levine's never been in a big moment. Lonzo never. Vucevic has always been – the best player on those crappy magic teams. So they kind of have nobody and Cleveland's got absolutely nobody either. So can we definitively say Miami's the third best team playoff wise out of all these Eastern conference teams? Yep. I will say definitively that Miami's the third best team. Yeah, I think so. It's without a doubt. So wind off on this note, we're about, you know, 40 games into this year by the time, you know, the all-star break comes, hopefully Jimmy and Bam will easily be back and we'll have some resemblance of a lineup. What's your prediction kind of going forward for this Heat team as we move on with the rest of the season into the All-Star break and into the trade deadline? Well, at the beginning of the year, when we when I first came on this podcast, I predicted 50 wins. And if they maintain their current winning percentage, they will get 49. So I'm very close. And if everyone comes back, I will be right. And not only that, the Heat have played a lot of road games time of this podcast they played the second most road games in the league and they are a lot better at home so we're gonna get a lot more home games in the coming weeks and just 
the rest of the season. So I do, I'm going to stick with the 50 wins. We're going to get there. We are almost maintaining that right now and we will get to 50 by the end of the season. And then let's go with Eastern Conference Finals right now. I'll be Eastern a little Conference bit. Eastern Conference Finals? I'll say we'll get there. I'm very, very uncertain about that one, but I'm really hoping that it happens. Well, we'll, we'll do a pod to see if one of both those predictions uh, ends up fulfilling out. But Matthew, once again, another great pod. Thank you for joining. All right. Thank you.